Section fourteen of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section fourteen it is a long time since i mentioned madame de varens but it should not be supposed that i had forgotten her never was she a moment absent from my thoughts i anxiously wished to find her not merely because she was necessary to my subsistence but because she was infinitely more necessary to my heart my attachment to her though lively and tender as it really was did not prevent my loving others but then it was not in the same manner all equally claimed my tenderness for their charms but it was those charms alone i loved my passion would not have survived them while madame de varens might have become old or ugly without my loving her the less tenderly my heart had entirely transmitted to herself the homage it first paid to her beauty and whatever change she might experience while she remained herself my sentiments could not change i was sensible how much gratitude i owed to her but in truth i never thought of it and whether she served me or not it would ever have been the same thing i loved her neither from duty interest nor convenience i loved her because i was born to love her during my attachment to another I own this affection was in some measure deranged i did not think so frequently of her but still with the same pleasure and never in love or otherwise did i think of her without feeling that i could expect no true happiness in life while in a state of separation though in so long a time i had received no news from madame de varens i never imagined i had entirely lost her or that she could have forgotten me i said to myself she will know sooner or later that i am wandering about and will find some means to inform me of her situation i am certain i shall find her in the meantime it was a pleasure to live in her native country to walk in the streets where she had walked and before the houses that she had lived in yet all this was the work of conjecture for one of my foolish peculiarities was not daring to inquire after her or even pronounce her name without the most absolute necessity it seemed in speaking of her that i declared all i felt that my lips revealed the secrets of my heart 
and in some degree injured the object of my affection i believe fear was likewise mingled with this idea i dreaded to hear ill of her her management had been much spoken of and some little of her conduct in other respects fearing therefore that something might be said which i did not wish to hear i preferred being silent on the subject as my scholars did not take up much of my time and the town where she was born was not above four leagues from lausanne i made it a walk of three or four days during which time a most pleasant emotion never left me a view of the lake of geneva and its admirable banks had ever in my idea a particular attraction which i cannot describe not arising merely from the beauty of the prospect but something else i know not why more interesting which affects and softens me every time i have approached the vaudois country i have experienced an impression composed of the remembrance of madame de varence who was born there of my father who lived there of mademoiselle vulson who had been my first love and of several pleasant journeys i had made there in my childhood mingled with some nameless charm more powerfully attractive than all the rest when that ardent desire for a life of happiness and tranquillity which ever follows me and for which i was born inflames my mind tis ever to the country of vaux near the lake in those charming plains that imagination leads me an orchard on the banks of that lake and no other is absolutely necessary a firm friend an amiable woman a cow and a little boat nor could i enjoy perfect happiness on earth without these concomitants i laugh at the simplicity with which i have several times gone into that country for the sole purpose of seeking this imaginary happiness when i was ever surprised to find the inhabitants particularly the women of a quite different disposition to what i sought how strange did this appear to me the country and the people who inhabit it were never in my idea formed for each other walking along these beautiful banks on my way to vevey i gave myself up to the soft melancholy my heart rushed with ardour into a thousand innocent felicities melting to tenderness i sighed and wept like a child how often stopping to weep more at my ease and seated on a large stone did i amuse myself with seeing my tears drop into the water 
on my arrival at vevey i lodged at the quay and during the two days i remained there without any acquaintance conceived a love for that city which has followed me through all my travels and was finally the cause that i fixed on this spot in the novel i afterwards wrote for the residence of my hero and heroines i would say to any one who has taste and feeling go to vevey visit the surrounding country examine the prospects go on the lake and then say whether nature has not designed this country for a julie a claire and a saint preux but do not seek them there i now return to my story giving myself out for a catholic i followed without mystery or scruple the religion i had embraced on a sunday if the weather was fine i went to hear mass at Assan, a place two leagues distant from lausanne and generally in company with other catholics particularly a parisian embroiderer whose name i have forgotten not such a parisian as myself but a real native of paris an arch parisian from his maker yet honest as a peasant he loved his country so well that he would not doubt my being his countryman for fear he should not have so much occasion to speak of it the lieutenant-governor monsieur de crouzat had a gardener who was likewise from paris but not so complacent he thought the glory of his country concerned when any one claimed that honour who was not really entitled to it he put questions to me therefore with an air and tone as if certain to detect me in a falsehood and once smiling malignantly asked what was remarkable in the marché neuf it may be supposed i asked the question but i have since passed twenty years at paris and certainly know that city yet was the same question repeated at this day i should be equally embarrassed to answer it and from this embarrassment it might be concluded i had never been there thus even when we meet with truths we are subject to build our opinions on circumstances which may easily deceive us i formed no ideas while at lausanne that were worth recollecting nor can i say exactly how long i remained there i only know that not finding sufficient to subsist on i went from thence to neuchatel where i passed the winter here i succeeded better i got some scholars and saved enough to pay my good friend perrotet who had faithfully sent my baggage though at that time i was considerably in his debt 
by continuing to teach music i insensibly gained some knowledge of it the life i led was sufficiently agreeable and any reasonable man might have been satisfied but my unsettled heart demanded something more on sundays or whenever i had leisure i wandered sighing and thoughtful about the adjoining woods and when once out of the city never returned before night one day being at boudry i went to dine at a public-house where i saw a man with a long beard dressed in a violet-coloured grecian habit with a fur cap and whose air and manner were rather noble this person found some difficulty in making himself understood speaking only an unintelligible jargon which bore more resemblance to italian than any other language i understood almost all he said and i was the only person present who could do so for he was obliged to make his request known to the landlord and others about him by signs on my speaking a few words in italian which he perfectly understood he got up and embraced me with rapture a connection was soon formed and from that moment i became his interpreter his dinner was excellent mine rather worse than indifferent he gave me an invitation to dine with him which i accepted without much ceremony drinking and chatting soon rendered us familiar and by the end of the repast we had all the disposition in the world to become inseparable companions he informed me he was a greek prelate and archimandrite of jerusalem that he had undertaken to make a gathering in europe for the re-establishment of the holy sepulchre and showed me some very fine patents from the tsarina the emperor and several other sovereigns he was tolerably content with what he had collected hitherto though he had experienced inconceivable difficulties in germany for not understanding a word of german latin or french he had been obliged to have recourse to his greek or turkish or lingua franca which did not procure him much in the country he was travelling through his proposal therefore to me was that i should accompany him in the quality of secretary and interpreter in spite of my violet-coloured coat which accorded well enough with the proposed employment he guessed from my meagre appearance that i should easily be gained and he was not mistaken the bargain was soon made i demanded nothing and he promised liberally thus without any security or knowledge of the person i was about to serve i gave myself up entirely to his conduct 
and the next day behold me on an expedition to jerusalem end of section 14 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey